Hi, everyone. Welcome to the webinar. We are live. And let me know where you're from. As ever, I want to hear where you're from, which part of the world you're from, please. And let me know you can see and hear me loud and clear. I've got 90 minutes. I'm going to try and take less of massive amounts of information packed into this. We've got about 130 slides, so you're really going to want to watch it. And let's cut to the chase. Uh, I'm going to start it straight away. I'm going to share my main screen, just several of the sources that I'm going to share with you. I'm going to pull down some of the reports that I've got, so you don't have to read them, but pull down some of the more interesting stuff that I'm seeing from the big institutions, from the big uh, fund managers, uh, and also from the big analysts who tend to, the ones which, the few, which are uh, consistently accurate. And our goal here is to get better returns uh, for your stock portfolio, whether it's in a SIP, ISA, 401k, wherever you are in the world, it's to get better returns for you. So that's the aim. Let me know, as I said, that you can indeed see and hear me. That's really important. Welcome, John, Stephen Howard, uh, Roman, Gerard, Cedric. Uh, thank you. California, loud and clear. I hope it's not too loud. Uh, I've got very good speakers, Rakesh, Neil, Derek, Drew, everyone, welcome on board, Kenneth, Didesh, everyone. So, like I said, I'm going to get on with it. I've got lots of information to share, about 130 slides on this and from these various sources. So, uh, what we're going to talk about is two things. One is I'm going to tell you what I like at the moment, what I like for the rest of the year in terms of stocks. But more importantly, rather than just throw you some fish, I'm going to teach you how you should be fishing. And we're going to look at some of the tactical shifts that higher inflation means for our portfolios and where we can get those returns. Great. Ulrich from South Africa. So we've got South Africa here. We've got California. Uh, and we've got Bristol represented through David. So great to see uh, people from around the world. My background, most of you know it, so I won't labor the point. Uh, I, in what, 15 years ago, started a private equity fund and a hedge fund. We started first with the hedge fund part of it. It was a Cayman domiciled UK equity long short fund. And subsequently, we expanded into private equity, investing in clean energy and into medical technologies uh, as well. Those funds are domiciled out of Luxembourg. Not really relevant for you, but that's a bit of my background. You'll also know the way I got into all of this is uh, I was writing about investing investing myself. So some of the best sellers, everybody on the webinar is going to get a free digital download of that. And I'll tell you how uh, that and some of the best books on investing that I've got as well. You're going to get digital downloads of that free. Everyone who's on this webinar, I'll tell you how later. Uh, subsequently wrote various other books published by the Financial Times, including that one and all of these things. Uh, I'm sharing the information and the know-how in this webinar with you. So there you go. It's probably the world's leading authority on this subject matter. Uh, and uh, Thanks to the FT, it helped me uh, get the kind of profile which allowed me then to set up the fund, okay? So it's as simple as that. Now, sometimes people say, well, I, tell me, I want to know what you hold at the moment. What do you hold? Just because I hold something at the moment, and I'm going to reveal what I hold and what my son holds. He's three years old, so I've held it for him, as it were. Uh, just because I hold this doesn't mean I'd buy it today. So don't just say, oh, throw me the fish, throw me the fish. I'll explain all of this and why I hold certain things, when I'll be getting rid of them. I mean, for all you know, I might be selling, I don't know, Discovery tomorrow morning. Okay, so it's not important what I'm doing. What's more important is a process I can show you so you can do it. You can be the master of your own portfolio, the master of your destiny. So you're not paying independent financial advisors hefty fees so that they can overtrade your account and they keep charging you lots of money for the rest of their lives uh, uh, whilst they're on their yachts and so on. 
I want you to be in charge. Many of you will be business people. You'll say, hey, I handle my own business. I can surely handle my investments. One of the things that somebody pointed out to me just recently was he had a SIP and he, he got a, I think it was about a 10% improvement, okay, from some of the education I'd given him. He got the improvement. You know, he had to implement what I taught him. And for him, that meant 100K, okay, because it was a million pound SIP. And he got, he was about 55 years old. He got 100K, extra 100K over six months, over six months, okay? And he said, my God, that's that's what investing is. It is cloning yourself. You know, there you are trying to earn that salary of 100K when you're working and the investments do it for you. And that's the whole point. That's how I want you to look at it, okay? And that's why it's important. I also want you to write these numbers down. So grab a pen and paper, write down these three numbers, 12, 15, 25. I want you to write another number down, 40. And I'm going to come to those. And those are probably going to be the most important numbers. Michael from Malta. Fantastic. Jesh from Florida. I'm delighted. Uh, uh, Buckinghamshire, Derek. Great. I, I, I wasn't actually expecting such a wonderful uh, international audience. So 7 p.m. UK time clearly works. So write those numbers down. And then I'm going to explain what I like and what I don't like. And what do we do about crypto? What do we do about SPACs? If you know what those are, what do we do about IPOs? What do you do about the higher risk stuff? You know that we might want to that we might have FOMO, fear of missing out on. Where do we put that in a portfolio? Do we put it to one side? Yeah, uh, with a small amount of money. Yeah, if we've got FOMO. So we'll look at that, James, from my hometown, my birthplace of Leeds. So delighted that you're on board. And the other problem, and the, the reason I do this, and and I've launched a campaign to teach a million people. Okay, it's called campaignforamillion.com, and it's to teach a million people how to invest better. And the reason is, there's the headline, okay? That was from 2011. That hasn't changed. I'm going to show you some more updated headlines from 2021, a decade later. This problem hasn't resolved itself. Giving your money to fund managers will be an inefficient way of doing it because I think anybody can learn to drive and I think anybody can learn to invest. And if they can learn to drive, they can learn to invest. And if they can learn to invest, I mean, think of it this way. Let's say you've got 100K. Let's say all you've got is 100K, okay? Well, a 10% improvement on that gives you 10,000 pounds extra. And that's just in one year. And that compounds, obviously, over time. So we're just looking for a marginal increase. We're not saying, hey, how do we double your money in a week? Okay, if that's what you're looking for, you're on the wrong webinar. Anybody who wants to gamble, you're on the wrong webinar. We're looking at an approach which looks at a small number of stocks, maybe 15 out of 10,000. There's 10,000 in our universe of stocks. That's all the UK stocks and all the US stocks. We can put any of those in our pensions. Okay, and that includes international stocks which are listed in the US like Alibaba and so on. We want to narrow that down to the top 15 to 20. There's only 2% of stocks, I believe, which are worth investing in. So we're going to select our team of players, the people who are going to be custodians for our children's inheritance and our retirement. We're going to interview those companies from 10,000 down to about 15 to 20, which will sit in our portfolio. And I'll show you mathematically why most people have got too many stocks in their portfolio. They've got about 70. And through funds that they've put money in, they've probably got about 1,000. That's just ridiculous. There's diversification. I'll show you mathematically why you're just simply wrong and why the research shows you're wrong. Why published in the Financial Times and in my columns and in my TV programs and what others have said who've gone on to win the Nobel Prize in Blumen. I take their work. I'm not worthy of creating that kind of research. I take their work and show you and share it with you um, why you're wrong to have so many. So we're going to showcase that as well in this. Okay. Uh, I only I only steal from the best. I only copy and share with you information from the best, uh, whether it's Nobel Prize economists or whatever, and research which works. Okay. So we're going to share that with you. So like I said already, um, I mentioned the number 40. Now, 
I'm personally, that's my business. I'm personally targeting 40% per annum for my portfolio. That's my business. You might be targeting less. You might be targeting 20. By the way, 20% for my UK holdings, if I'm forced to have UK holdings, and 40% for uh, my international, i.e. mainly US. And it usually comes from companies, recently came from companies like this. Okay, but it'll change over time. So I'm going to show you how I target that. And you're going to learn how to do it. And you might learn things which will help you. That's the idea. Okay, and let's say you miss it. 40s, you might say, stupid. Okay, let's say you get 20. That's still, I'm going to show you why for retirement, or if you're in your 30s, or 40s, or 50s, or 60s, it still works out very well. Thank you very much. And the idea is you're cloning yourself by not having to just work yourself, but having your portfolio work for you. You know, this old saying, if you want to get rich, you can't sell your time. Okay, well, that's the whole idea. Portfolio is not selling your time. It's letting these companies make the return for you. All right, so that's what we're going to do. Scotland, I'm so sorry um, that they lost in the Euros and that they're out, I have to say, because um, I love the Scots and I wish they were still in. Okay, I wish you guys were still in. Uh, they're so much more fun than any supporters of any other country uh, for a start. Problem, picking stocks like a hoarding panic buyer, right? So we're going to avoid this. This is how what most people's portfolios look like. I was talking to a student of mine earlier and he had 70. He's a businessman. His He was using uh, Rathbones, but he could have been using, I don't know, St. James's Place. You know, these IFAs who charge a fortune and they dump a load of stocks so that they can always have some which will randomly look good and say, well, we did pick you that one and we put you that one. He had 70 stocks, let alone through the funds. He probably must have had, I don't know, 2,000 stocks indirectly. And he's paying the brokerage charges, the independent financial advice. So we're going to get rid of all that nonsense. Forgive me if I'm laboring the point. And also the other problem is people don't know when to let go. They bought a stock in 2011 for 12 months. It did really well. And they're still holding it because they've got long, fond memories of how it did well in 2011. We're not going to marry any stocks, okay? We're going to hold for 12 months, uh, which is where the number 12 comes from in that 12.15. Okay, we're going to hold those stocks for 12 months. Then we review. We don't trade our investments. So we're not holding for a month. We're not holding for a week. Equally... We're not married to them, so we don't hold for a year. We might repurchase them or keep holding them into the next year. But every year, everyone's got to prove themselves. Everyone gets re-interviewed to keep their job in our portfolio because it's my son's inheritance that they're looking after. Okay, so they better bloody well still make the grade. You know, you don't still have Gary Lineker playing for England, do you? No, right? Fresh blood comes in, new companies come in, and it's like that. The essential way I'm going to teach you before I go into more names, my friends, uh, is this. Okay, valuation. I'll come to Basel three later on, John, um, as well. Alistair, a bit, bit more of a technical question. We'll come to that towards the end. Just keep watching and it'll all become clear. Okay, we know companies and we know from research, companies which are undervalued tend to do better than overvalued companies, though there are some, some exceptions. But the problem we have is there's so many ways and factors to measure stocks. So we're going to tick all those boxes. A fund manager doesn't want to do that for you. He wants to sell you a value, UK value fund, a European growth fund a Japanese uh, uh, income fund. What the hell do you care what he wants to sell you? You care about your portfolio. And because it's your portfolio with whichever broker you pick, you might pick Free Trade, Hargreaves, Sandown, Barclays, Top Workers, I don't care. Whichever broker you pick, you want to tick all those boxes, not be shoved into something that somebody else uh, uh, is shoving you into for their own gain and benefit. So we looked at the research on this. I've published the papers over the last 20 odd years. You've, if you've seen me on Bloomberg, you know I've discussed it in my Financial Times columns and in the books. So it's been peer reviewed and, and, and it's actually researched done by others, not by me in any event. We just took the best of it. So we know we want to look at valuation. We know we want to look at growth, but we know there's so many different factors of this. I mean, 
you've got better things to do than me sitting around reading magazines and newspapers and, and Excel spreadsheets and going through an evaluation. What's the P on this? On the peg on this? Oh, the pe peg's good, but the sales are poor. Oh, what shall I do? Shall I look for? No, we need green lights on everything. Okay, because when you've got 10,000 stocks to pick from, not just the FTSE 100, 10,000 to pick from, you can afford to be really picky, right? It's like interviewing people for a company. We're not going to be racist in our stock picks and say, I only want British companies. I only want Chinese companies. I only want American companies. What we're going to say is don't give a damn what color company you are, which nationality you are. You need to perform. And to work, measure their performance, all companies only have three things in common. Their profit and loss account, their balance sheet, and their cash flows. We're going to look at their cash flow statement, their balance sheet, and their PL. This all sounds like difficult, complicated work. It's not. Trust me, we can simplify the hell out of this. And the way we're going to simplify the hell out of it is we'll just get the computer to do the hard work. Okay. We'll just say, right, I'm looking for things which are green on valuation growth income, green on cash flow, green on momentum, green on statistical performance, all right? Because we know these are factors which are important. So we're gonna simplify our work. And if you want to then do a PhD in finance, fine. I'll give you the materials where you can do a PhD in it. I've lectured as a visiting fellow at Oxford University on behavioral finance. So I'm more than happy to get you to that level if you wish. But for most people, they want to invest and then they want to bugger off and spend time with their kids and grandkids. God bless them. That's what you should do. Right. So we're going to really cut to the chase. So we're going to look at these factors. Now, how do we know which of these factors are important? Well, we're going to make sure we tick all of them. So we're not going to gamble on short term news or noise. We're not going to gamble on, oh, the market now wants value stocks. Oh, it wants this geography. Oh, now it wants growth. Oh, now it wants momentum. Blimey, egg, you're going to be like chasing your tail all day long. And the data and statistics shows that the, the lane switcher, that the style chaser tends to underperform. Okay. Equally, the person who says, oh, I won't do any of that. I'll just buy some stocks and hold them forever. They underperform. There's an optimal uh, uh, in the middle somewhere. Okay. So where's our research? Well, it's from a lot of places. Like I said, our research isn't original. What it is, is everybody else's research is original. Putting, us putting it together in the way we have, that's original. Okay. So for instance, TD, Tweedy Brown. They've done this. And you better believe people have researched the hell out of this. Of course they've researched it. There's money involved. Okay. I love this. This is one of the pieces of um, research we've used. And, and this is, yeah, gone on for years. What has worked in investing? It's about 20 years old, this particular piece. We've got about 30 pieces like this, which we think uh, are really good. Okay. And guess what? Uh, we know that there are certain things which work and certain ones that don't. Now think about it. We, When people like this, and this is an example, pretty much doubling your money each three years, what they worked out is there are certain measures of valuation like book value and certain ranges which give better returns for stocks than others. For instance, over three years, your average return is pretty much going to, your money's pretty much going to double up, okay, if you've got a book value, valuation between that. Now you might say, oh God, where, do, where can I do the hard work? Because people are so keen to work hard rather than work smart, hang on. Why don't we just do that for you in a second? All right, instead of you going, oh, ooh, yes, I really want to learn that formula. And I really want to disaggregate the information and order lots of accounts and read the accounts of 10,000 companies, right? People love working hard. In my experience, it's, it's, it's amazing how many people love to work hard uh, unnecessarily. Uh, it, it's incredible. It, it really gives you an edge um, if you employ them. Uh, right. So we know there are certain numbers and certain things which make a difference. Statistical analysis shows it. So what we're going to do in this webinar is we're going to focus on, right, let's make sure as an approach and the approach I want you to adopt is this. You've got to tick the box for valuation, growth, income, momentum and statistics. OK, in other words, 
and I'll come to what it is, but in other words, uh, a high average return outperforming the market consistently. So I'll explain what this means. I'm giving you the helicopter view. We'll drill down into actual specifics in a second. And if you don't tick those boxes, you're going to end up trading on noise and news. Somebody's going to mention a stock and you're not going to know. You're going to, oh, yeah, you gave it a hot tip. You're going to start going following tip sheets, basically. And that's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to float around with about 75 stocks because you're so afraid that you're going to pick the wrong one, uh, uh, that you're going to just buy everything that's out there and have a machine gun spray and pray approach. Won't give you the returns you should. We're talking about getting better returns. Remember, 10% improvement on 100K is 10K in one year. And that's a fair enough goal. Okay, so how are we going to do it? This is what we're going to do. Oh, by the way, please have a phone ready so you can take pictures of some of the slides. Whilst I will make a replay available, some of the slides will be taken out because some of them are proprietary to what I and my son own. I don't necessarily want that being out there all the time, okay? So uh, please uh, take photos of anything that you particularly like the look of, all right? And once somebody said, oh, there's not enough time to take pictures, you don't want us to actually see the names. Um, it's not the case. At the end, I'll go through every slide again if you wish, and you know you can pause the screen. I don't mind, but take a phone and take photos. Okay, right. So this is what we're going to do. Now, whilst I will mention names in this, it doesn't mean the names I'm mentioning I would buy today. I might be sitting on a gain which is due to be harvested. Okay, why would I harvest again? When would I exit? I'll explain that in a second. All right, uh, and also there'll be things which are not suitable to you. You know, cr the crude oil. Uh, trade, which actually is doing better than that now. The crude oil trade was last year, it was a special strategy. It was outside of what I'm teaching you. So some of these things aren't relevant, okay, to what we're talking about today. Today, we're not talking about special strategies like banks last year or like oil last year. Uh, those are special strategies, which, you know, when the market's a bit disjointed, uh, in other words, makes multi-year lows, uh, they come up now and again. And if those come up, great. If they don't, it doesn't matter. We've still got our core strategy. So let's focus on the core. Okay, and I'll go through all of this. Okay, these were some of the ones which uh, have, you know, they've done all right. They've done all right. But how do we improve upon that? How do we, and what do we look at now going forward? So I'll give you the bang up to date of what we're looking at and how we look at it as we go through this uh, and how we pick it. Okay, so I'm not just showing you the historic but I want to also show you going forward. I'm not just showing what I do. I'm taking information from you know Goldman Sachs. I'll show you some of their stuff. Uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Carl Icahn. So some of the billionaires, some of the big analysts, Morgan Stanley analysts, the ones which are good. Okay, and then we narrow that down and we look at what we're doing. But it's the process that I want you to learn. I don't just, don't just want to throw some fish at you. I want you to learn the process, please. Like any teacher, I want my students to have a PhD in the subject. I want you to learn what I'm going to teach. Right now, one of the reasons I do this again, I've mentioned, is because of this. There's a trillion pounds of muppet money. Not my words, September 2020. This was written uh, by Trustnet. A trillion pounds of Muppet money costing savers billions. In other words, money which is sitting in ISAs and savings and not being invested, right? So we want to make sure, you know, I don't need to labor that point, that your money gets working hard for you. All right. Uh, by the way, I was in the Guardian today, a signatory. Uh, I'm chairman of the Lumbar Trust. Whatever you do with your investments, Let's say you've got a half a million in a SIP or ISA and you make a 10% improvement, you got an extra 50K. So it's a, it's a bit of a windfall. You weren't expecting it. It's a bit of a windfall. Please, beyond looking after you, once you've secured your family's future, um, I'm sure you all do this and forgive me for preaching and I do this on all webinars. Um, we, we support widows and orphans through this and if you saw The Guardian today, you know we're in there uh, because it's United Nations uh, Day of the uh, Widow today, okay? Uh, Please think of a bigger purpose to give to. Forgive me for preaching. I'm sure you all do it anyway. But when I've done this in the past, I've had students actually say, actually, yes, Arbesh, tell me where I should. I got a windfall. Tell me where I should from the investment, from the education that you're given. That's great if that happens, okay? Connect with me on LinkedIn, please. 
they say your net worth is connected to your networks. Make me part of your networks and I'll make you part of my networks. So join with me on LinkedIn. It's completely free to join. You'll be part of my networks and you'll see some of the other stuff that I do. Enough of that. The information I'm going to give you, it's going to be published also in a forthcoming book published by the Financial Times, which is this. All right. Uh, and if not that, you can get me on TikTok. Business Insider did a piece about me. I love it. Uh, so thank you. So we're not just old school here. I'm I'm up with the cool kids as well. So let's get on to the education part. I'm going to give you the experience of all my years, all, all, all of those photos uh, and all the rest of it and everything that I've published in these books. And I'm going to let you download um, one of my investment books, that one on this webinar as well, plus some others by uh, Warren Buffett and uh, uh, Benjamin Graham in this as well, all right? I've been doing this for 20 years, so this is not just Johnny come lately, all right? That's me back in 1999, that's me in 2019. Still got the double chins, can't get rid of them. I don't mean to sound arrogant in this. Somebody once said, oh, he's so full of himself. If you don't know the credentials of the person speaking to you, how the hell do you know whether to listen to them or not? That's why I say it. And sometimes I can be a bit short because, yeah, I'd like to inspire, but sometimes I just have to intimidate to get to the point. So you're looking at this. This I put up, I created just yesterday. All right, those returns look bloody nice. I wish I could have those. If I had a crystal ball and a time machine, I would have had those. I would have had those. I'm sorry to say 98% of stocks do not warrant the risk and volatility involved in owning them. 98%, about 2% are worth looking at in terms of the volatility they have and the returns they give you. So whilst you might see these amazing returns, the chances are, if you picked these, you would have got a bunch of dogs as well, which would have meant in the end, you ended up at a net loss. If that wasn't the case, I would already have got to these before you and I didn't. I didn't have any of these other than Cerulean. It's the only one which met our criteria. The others didn't. You might as well, your criteria are a bit rubbish, Alpesh. When these go up, it doesn't necessarily mean that the process we're looking for is to capture every single moving stock. It is actually just for our portfolio to get our 40%, okay? I don't care that I didn't get a 329% stock because if there was a way of doing that, we would have found it. If there was a way of consistently doing that, we would have found it. We would have had that crystal ball. We don't, right? So I want you to uh, uh, get your expectations realistic of what the real world is. The real world is you don't care about what your neighbor's doing care about what you're going to do and how you're going to get just your 40%. doesn't mean you've got all the best stocks in the world. doesn't matter. You just need your team to win the premiership. That's all. You don't need to worry about everybody else's team, okay? How's the S&P done over the past year? Because don't forget, my SIP and ISA, I've got these stocks. I've got access to them. Well, that's been the past year. So it's been a good year because even a fool would have stumbled into that. Is it difficult not to make money in the past year? What about the year going forward? Okay, what about the year going forward? By the way, most of you are bullish for the rest of this year. If you look at the FTSE poll that I put up, 62% think it's going to be higher by the end of this year. I think you're right. With the amount of money going into the system, I think you're absolutely right. Let me reset that and ask the question for the Dow. Okay. Now, that's all well and good. But I'm not just simply here to say to you, hey, just buy some Alphabet, Microsoft, and Apple, or Facebook, Disney, and Visa. There's a bit more to it than that, surely. Okay. And what if they've peaked? Similarly, this is the world stocks in the past year. And this includes our universe. We're going to be picking out of this universe. Just so you know, th this is the universe of candidates we're interviewing. You, me, we're going to interview out of this list. Okay. And we're going to interview out of this list. So there's Chinese companies, there's Japanese, Indian, all of these are listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So you buy them the same way you do for your SIP or ISA. 
that you do through a Hargreaves Nine Zero or Barclays Stockbrokers or, or whoever you use E-Trade, uh, uh, I don't know, Interactive Brokers, whoever you use, you buy them the same way. They're dollar denominated. I'll say it again, US dollar denominated. All right, and I don't mind holding dollars. All right, you might say, oh, a dollar could go up, could go down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. You know, if I'm making 40% on the stock, what the hell do I care if there's a 1% move here or there? Okay, and it's the, the dollar, right? French stocks, German, Dutch, Swiss. So we're going to pick from this universe as well. By expanding our talent gene pool of stocks that we are going to buy into, or interview at least, we've got more chance of picking good quality ones, just like if we're sifting, uh, uh, we're sifting um, uh, CVs, okay? Uh, as well. Fred, I'll come to the issue of inflation in a second. Michael, I'll have to read that carefully in just one second. Uh, but I'll come back to that in terms of double leverage. I talk about that later in. Now, tactics versus strategy, right? Strategy is value, growth, income, cash flow, uh, consistent performance and outperformance of the market. And I'll come to that in detail. Tactically within that, at the moment, with concerns about rising inflation, okay, I tactically within that have no issues having a few more software application companies to hold for the next 12 months or financial stocks for the next 12 months. I can explain why financials will do better in a high inflationary environment. Software application companies will uh, uh, be anti-cyclical, so they're going to do well in any environment. So they're a flight to safety. Energy because rising GDP, nominal GDP growth in the US is expected to be 11%. Okay, but they still got to meet my valuation, growth, income, cash flow criteria. Don't just buy it because some numpty on the newspaper report somewhere said there's going to be inflation because a bunch of others said, no, there won't. So I don't actually care what they say. And let's say we're wrong about inflation. Well, I'm still covered because they fell within value, growth, income, cash flow anyway. And if I think they're right about inflation, well, I'm still covered because guess what? They fell within value, growth, income, cash flow. And tactically, I've got more of these. Consumer cyclical because of GDP, real estate because of inflation, uh, diagnostics, healthcare diagnostics companies as well. Now, because of COVID, you know, and what's going to happen into the future. Now, that's a tactic. The mistake most people make is they get mistake tactics and strategy. What they'll do is they'll just go into real estate without looking at value, growth, income, cash flow, consistency. They'll go into diagnostics, because I just said it, without working out that some will be good, some will be bad. All right? And what if we're wrong about inflation? Then why would you double down a gamble on whether or not? I don't want, if I want to gamble on inflation rates, I'll go to Ladbrokes. Okay? If I want to gamble on what the Fed's going to say, I'll go to Ladbrokes. Right? So I need to win whether I'm right or wrong on inflation and everybody else's on inflation. I need to win whether or not there's going to be a recession. I need to win whether or not there's going to be tighter restrictions in three weeks from now in the UK by July 19th. And I think there will be tighter restrictions. Okay, I need to win whether there are or not. And the best way to do that is value, growth, income, cash flow, consistency. Within that, yeah, if I really want to take a gamble on inflation, I'll buy more financials or real estate companies. I'll still win because even if there isn't inflation, value, growth, income, cash flow. Okay, right. Now, equally, I want you to understand this difference between tactics and strategy. Just because this is science asset management, the guy from the big short film, uh, Michael Burry, who called the financial market crisis, you know, the market's too atopy, Alpesh. What about the stock market crash that's coming? Well, he forecast it. This is what he owns. Now, just because he owns this doesn't mean I'll buy it. But if he happens to own things that meet my criteria, value, growth, and we'll go into that in a second, value, growth, income, cash flow, then great. So he and I both happen to own Alphabet, 
Facebook, he's got call op he's got call options, so he's got leverage positions. I've got CFDs in them. Same difference. You might just own the stocks. All right, that's fine. I I it, I don't copy him, right? Similarly, Citadel, one of the largest hedge funds in the world, just because. And by the way, interestingly, they've got a put on the S and P five hundred. They're probably just hedging their hedge fund. Okay, their Amazon exposure, or they've got a short term put, long term. They're cool. They're expecting it to rise. I don't just copy them because they've got it. So just because they got Apple and Alphabet, and so do I. Um, great. By the way, they've got an Amazon call and Amazon put, so they're obviously doing a volatility trade, all right, or rather lack of volatility trade. Um, they think it'll go up, but they want to sell uh, some of the puts. Uh, uh, they've got some puts against it to lower the cost or hedge against it. Anyway, that's their business. This is what performance looks like over the past 12 months. I'm not saying the next 12 months will be the same, right, but it's been a bloody good year, all right? It's been a bloody good year, whether it's the NASDAQ, whether it's the S&P, the UK markets even, or uh, uh, the Dow. Everybody's just been rip-roaring. So is it gonna continue? How do we make sure we protect ourselves? Because S&P hits record, but Goldman Sachs chief economist warns against a pullback. So the kinds of stocks I want at any given time, markets either gonna go up or bloody go down. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, and I don't pretend to. I don't have an army of uh, <laughs> witchcrafters who can see into the future. I don't pretend to. Neither does anybody else. So in that case, the optimal case scenario to have are these types of stocks. They're what I call square root stocks. I didn't invent that term. Square root stocks because when the market falls, they don't fall as far as the market on the whole. By the way, dark blue is PayPal. Light blue is the S&P 500. So dark blue does better than the broader market. So when the market falls, they don't fall as far. And when it rises, they rise. And you might say, no, 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 Arpish, I only want stocks which always go up like a bank account every single day. Those companies don't exist. Nobody's invented it yet. Nobody's invented that company, which only goes up in a diagonal line. Now, if you want to gamble and say, no, 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 I'll push. I'm going to just throw my money at uh, a company you've never heard of, I don't know, Tesla. Okay, that's up to you if you want to gamble. That's a different ball game. Go to Ladbrokes, okay? We're talking about having a serious, sensible approach for our children and our pensions and our retirement, okay? Not the gambling uh, let's have a tip sheet, Alpesh. Tell us, Tesla, for how long? How long? A week? Two weeks? When do we get in? When do we get out? You'll go insane. I'll go insane. You'll be messaging me every two seconds. Okay, it's not the way we're going to do it. And I'll explain why it's a 12-month hold as well. So we get out of noise and we're actually looking at proper signals instead. So we want square root suits, um, uh, stocks. How do we get them? Ones which, if the market falls, we're okay. If it rises, we're okay. Well, how do we get them? We get them by value, growth, income, cash flow, uh, consistent outperformance. And we're going to look into that. Put another way, put another way, we're going to follow the data, not the news and not the noise. I want the kinds of companies which over a 250 day period, this is their return distribution. It's positively skewed over that period. There's very few companies that meet this. It's actually less than 2% of all 10,000 global stocks that meet this. You might say, no, 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 Alpesh. I want companies which I don't care if I lose my shirt. It's up to you. Okay. Uh, uh, I like throwing the dice. I've come to enjoy money. The stock market is a casino and I just want to have fun. Fine, please leave now. Okay, there's the exit, sir, right? For, for, for my ISA, my son's junior ISA and my pension, I want ones which have that distribution curve. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about when I say value, growth, income, uh, uh, P&L accounts, balance sheet, cash flow. When those are strong, they will more likely have that distribution. But just to make sure, we'll look at their bloody distribution as well just to make sure, right? Uh, to make sure this is what they're delivering. 
And when I do get ones like this, by the way, one of the other things I do, which is outside what I'm teaching you now, is I'll do two times leverage on that, either through an exchange-traded product or a CFD. That's a separate discussion. That's higher risk. Don't anybody do leverage because that is higher risk, okay? Leverage is risky. Don't mistake leverage for genius. I only do 2%, uh, two times leverage max, and I only do it on stocks with that kind of uh, uh, that kind of distribution, and I, and I do it for a year. That's why spread betting firms absolutely hate me. Why? Because they want me to do it for 20 days so they can wipe me out and they want me to do 10 to 1 leverage and 5 to 1 so that when they get a short-term move down, this is the same company, same company over 20 days, it could be like that, over 250, it's like that, so they wipe me out in the short term, right? They hate me. In fact, they don't hate me because what they do is they follow my trades. They'll see what I'm doing and they'll copy it. This is personal account stuff I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fund, I'm talking about personal account, PA account stuff, right? Okay, so how do we do that? So I'm, I'm explaining all of this to you now. For those of you who just want fish and names, I've given you some already. You know, I don't like those students. I want ones who actually want to know what's behind it so that when I give the names, they understand why. Okay, there's a few 1% of people who attend these things and say, no, just give me the bloody, give me the bloody stock names. That's all I want. Well, we'll do that as well. So when Credit Suisse gives you clickbait like this, 18 tech stocks to own now, I'll look at those names. I'll see, well, do they meet my criteria, value, growth, income, cash flow? If they do, fine, I'll have them. If they don't, I'm not risking it. I don't care if they're Credit Suisse, Goldman Sachs, or God, right? So simple process, and that gives me a better return on time. That's the approach I'm going to advocate to you. Uh, and not least, I'm going to advocate get the money out of underperforming dog funds. How many of you put it into your, uh, Darren, I'll answer that question later on 212 eToro, free trade, and James, you've asked as well. I'll come to those in a second. Keep your, um, keep your questions coming. I'll, I'll answer them in one go, if you don't mind, uh, if I can't answer them easily and quickly. Okay, so one of the other things that I want to ask you is how many of you got dog funds? How many of you own funds where the fund manager's just been piss poor and you're frustrated? Just put it into the chat box. Just type in yes, you know, or tell me more, right? Fund managers and independent financial advisors, they're great at marketing. They're crap at actually doing anything else. This is what I'm going to share with you. See that? See what you're seeing on screen there? UBS rich clients get Goldman strategies with no extra fees. I think that's unfair. I'm going to share with you the strategies that Goldman gives UBS rich clients. This is a hedge fund manager. I get those. We get access to all of that because they want us to buy what they're selling. We're on the buy side. They're on the sell side. They want, to, they want us to buy what they're selling. Okay. So they give us all this data and I pick out things which are useful and ditch the rest. So UBS rich clients get Goldman Pimco strategies. I'm going to share those with you now. All right. This is the poverty gap, by the way. I know I keep laboring this point, but it's really important. That in red is the UK market over the last five years. And you can take any rolling five-year period since the Second World War. There's been this massive gap between the US markets and the UK. I'm not just saying something simple like, oh, just buy US stocks. Well, you could buy a whole load of rubbish because there's more choice in America of rubbish than there is in the UK. They've got more companies. So they've got more rubbish, right, than we have. Now, it's only 2% of companies which are worth the volatility uh, for us to have. That's the S&P. So my American cousins, literally my American cousins, right, are getting 53% by just tracking the S&P in the last five years. They, they're getting to more than double their money by just tracking the NASDAQ, right? I've got cousins in Florida. I'm Indian. Of course I have. You know, and cousins in California. And that's what they've got, actually, in Kentucky as well. Uh, and 
my UK cousins, if they're tracking and they're not because they're related to me, so I've told them what to do. But if they were tracking just the FTSE, they'd be down 12%. So I'd have one part of the family poor just because they're in Britain because British people tend to invest locally. And the other part rich because they're in America because people invest locally. I want British people to be rich. The best way to improve your SIP and ISA is to look at those 10,000 global stocks. We'll have some British companies in there, but we're going to pick uh, accordingly and avoid the uh, typical bad portfolio one of my students sent me a few months ago. And somebody, when they looked at it, I said, I said to that student, I said, why the hell did you pick these stocks? And he said, oh, name recognition. I just recognized the names. And we put them through our uh, uh, analysis and not a single one of them would have met our criteria for holding. And look at how far down he is. In three months, he was down about 40% in most of them. Over six months, it was about 40% in most of them. Now, somebody once said, oh, no, that's all right. They bounce back. I said, you want that journey? You're down 40, 50%, and then you come back to break even while everybody else is making 40% straight up? You want that journey because of name recognition? Yeah, but oh, but BP can't go wrong with BP. Can't go wrong with BT Group. Have you used their services? Uh, can't go wrong with Aviva, BA Systems. Where can you go wrong? Look, it's about performance. They don't perform. I don't give a damn what their name is or how big the company is. You know, it's like a football manager. You're sacked if you can't bloody score goals and you're a striker. I don't care how good you used to be or, you know, who your mum and dad are. Sorry, you're out. You're fired. And that's the same thing with the portfolio. You know why? Because I asked you to manage my child's inheritance and you got down 46%. You're sacked. You're fired. If you don't have that attitude, you deserve a poor performing portfolio. So how are we going to make sure we don't pick by name recognition in our domestic market? Like I said before, just because I've got certain things doesn't mean I would buy them today. So I don't go out and buy this stuff. What I'm saying is that's what my universe ends up looking like, right? So let's get into that. Let's work into it. And like I said already, outside of that, I might have special strategies like IPOs. These are some of the ones I own. I'm not going to discuss that in this webinar. SPACs. Uh, I'm not going to discuss it in this webinar. FOMO, fear of missing out. I'm not going to discuss it in this webinar. Uh, that's a whole separate situation. I might have some of those, but that's got nothing to do with my 40%. That's just a fun. That's just, yeah, I got that because that's extra stuff I like doing, right? That's up to me. You know, I like I like um, playing badminton as well. What's that got to do with it, right? So that's the point with some of this stuff. Uh, I'm not going to discuss these ones in this webinar. There's only enough time to discuss what we're talking. What's our end goal? And then let's look at the criteria in detail. Right, so you can start implementing it yourself for your own SIP and ISA. What's our end goal? Assume you plan to invest over 10 years. And with my help, let's say you make 20% per annum from the education that I'm giving you now in this webinar. Right, some years you make more, some years you make less. Right, nothing extravagant, nothing pessimistic. And it's not you doing it, it's not me doing it, it's those companies doing it that we're picking from. All right, so let me not take credit for the genius that is Square or the genius that is Globant or PayPal, or LAM Research, or uh, I don't know, Amazon, for argument's sake, names you've heard of, right? Let's say you've got 100K. Some of you won't have that. That's fine. We'll do a, a, a poorer version, or younger version. Let's say you're in your 30s. You won't have 100K sitting around, probably, or in your 20s. But this gets you set up. You've got the advantage of time. Those who've got more money won't have the advantage of time because they'll be older. That's fine. They've got more money. So everybody's happy, all right? Let's say you've got 100K. You plan to add 1.5K each month to your portfolio. All right. Uh, uh, I'll answer that, James, in a second, my friend. Uh, Michael, oh, my God, investment trust and unit trust. Keep watching, Michael. Keep watching. Um, you, you also plan to add one and a half each month to your portfolio. Why? Because you've got 100K. You're well-to-do. You will have over £1 million by the end of 10 years. You started with 100K, you'll have a million. 
That's the maths. It's not it's not me doing it. It's the maths. That's the simple maths. There's your contributions. Okay, obviously you're going to contribute. Nobody stops contributing to their ISA and SIP, for God's sake. Okay, and that's what 20%, 40% looks even better, but forget that. 20%, even if you just do 20%, that's what it looks like. For the first few years, it looks rubbish because you're just like, well, I'm barely above my contributions. Is this worth it? It starts accelerating later. I'm not taking anything more than compound interest. However, that's not the point. The point I'm making, that's our goal, to turn 100 into a million. My goal for my family is to turn 100 into a million every 10 years. 10, 100 million, okay? It's actually to do it quicker. My family would be disappointed if I took 10 whole years to do it, given, you know, there I am bragging about how much I know about the markets and everything else, and then I can do the same as what any Tom, Dick, and Harry could do. All right, so... But let's just assume I always give the worst case. I always give the worst case. Worst case, that's what I'd be expecting. Turn every hundred into a million over 10 years. All right? That might be too slow for some of you. I'm sorry. Now, let's assume you've only got 10K because you're in your 20s or you're, you know, you're a parent trying to get your child to look at this and say, listen, son, whatever job you go into or daughter, whatever job you go into, you better learn some of this stuff as an additional skill on the side. Because if you don't, you're going to work your ass off and not not have your money working hard for you and you're going to retire not so rich but you're going to make some financial advisor and fund manager really rich don't do that don't work for them let's assume you only got 10k to start with and you plan to add 6k a year divided equally each month okay so 500 a month then your return looks like this with my help hopefully my education is helpful right that's what it looks like so this is where my son is who was born three years ago he started down there now he's three years old. He's a bit above this because, well, I'll show you his portfolio in a second. It's it, The market's done well over the last three years. So he's above this. You know, there'll be years when it hasn't. He'll get back onto this line. By the time he goes to university, I want him to have about, through his junior ISA, we max out his allowance each year, uh, through his junior ISA to have about 600K. So the biggest problem I'll have is how to make sure the little brat isn't spoiled when he goes to university, um, if he goes to university. And that's a nice problem to have, right? That's what we're doing for the kids. That's what our goals are. Anyway, you know this, so forgive me laboring the point. So let's get into it. There's too much information like I described. You know, you've got all of this. So how do we simplify the process knowing that we've got to look at all this information? We're going to do it by saying we've got a strategy, which is value, growth, income, cash flow, out, performance, quality, like I already said. Everything else is tactics. So all the other stuff you see where you might get excited, oh, push, I read small caps are important. Oh, I read that UK is going to do well. Okay, oh, I read that. Um, uh, Warren Buffett just bought this and I'm going to show you what he owns. Oh, Michael Dell bought this or Bill Gates owns this. I'll show you what he owns in a second. Uh, uh, well, that's just tactical. As long as it's within the strategy, I don't care if you copy an analyst or news or guru. But 12 months, the holding period, you're not going to trade your investments, otherwise you're gambling. And people who switch lanes in investing, I trade their investments. The data shows they don't do as well as those who've held through on quality companies which have got value, growth, income, cash flow. The great news is that means less work for you. It means less work. You won't be able to do it. People are like, oh, no, I want to touch my portfolio. Please let me fiddle with it. Please let me trade it. Oh, no. I'm trying to get you to do less work. Humans hate doing less work. In my experience, they love working their asses off. I know some of you go, don't be stupid. I wish they don't. Trust me, when it comes to investing, they just love hard work. The solution is going to be this. We're going to tick all those boxes of value, growth, income. Why? It avoids short-term noise. It avoids gambling on fads, consistent approach, no fund managers, etc. The cons is, yeah, you may not get the latest lucky meme stock like AMC. Well, you can play around that with 10% of your capital if you wish. That's your business. Um, that's a separate webinar there. Okay? So we break it down. How the hell are we going to do this? Right? Want to measure for valuation? 
You're going to need a measure for growth. You're going to need a measure for income. I'll, I'll share with you in a second what mine are, all right? But it's the principle that's important. Cash flow, why, what the hell is this croaky thing? I'll explain that. Momentum, why is that important? Well, I want things which have performed well in the recent past because we know sometimes the market cares only about momentum and nothing else. Sortino is a measure of average returns and volatility around them. We want to be consistently good performance. Alpha just means outperformance of the market. If they don't outperform the market, might as well have a bloody index tracker and just go to bed, sleep easy. Okay, we want to outperform the market. So one of the most important things that I look for is what the big banks are telling their richest clients. And this is what the big banks like Goldman Sachs tell their richest clients. You've got to have 50 million to get this data or have a hedge fund and get asked, get invited to a dinner with Jim O'Neill when he was chairman. So they get me this. And we've used it ever since. We added it to our mix of what we were previously doing to help to make our lives easier. What this shows is cash flow. All right, croaky. Cash flow of a company over the capital invested. And what they discovered, what they discovered, I'm sharing it with you, you know, when it says UBS, uh, Goldman Sachs shares, shares strategy with richest clients, normally you've got to have 50 million to get this information. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give you the names of companies at the moment which look good, but also uh, why we're looking at it this way. What they discovered is you get 30% return per annum. If you want to know why the rich are getting richer, this is why, okay? The boffins at Deutsche Bank invented this, uh, this formula, it's there, okay? And Goldman Sachs use it. They, I didn't even say they stole it from Deutsche Bank any more than I've stolen it. Uh, they found the companies in the top quartile, the top 25% by Crokey generate 30% per annum. Not every year, look at this. 2008, nobody got 30% per annum. It's not a bloody bank account. Some years you do better, some years you do worse. 30% per annum is the average return. Not every year. So there might be some years where it's like, oh, God, this is a bit boring, I'll be. And there'll be other years where it does well. Okay? But I'm not even after 30%. So I look at that universe, and then I add on top of that other, even more stricter criteria within that. So not only do they have to meet that criteria for me, my stocks also have to meet value, growth, income, consistency of performance outperformance. You might say, Alpish, you are one hard taskmaster. Yeah. Did I not mention it's for my pension? It's for my retirement and my son's inheritance? You better believe I'm a hard taskmaster. And that's what annoys me about private investors. They're not. When it comes to their own money, they are throwing the dice and making other people rich. <laughs> I just, I want to strangle them sometimes and say, what is wrong with you? You want your ass off at work for some dimwit employer, most probably for years. And then you go and give all that money to a fund manager to have a lavish lifestyle and send his kids to private school. And seriously. Okay. So that's one of the things that we look at, right? Like I said, I didn't invent it. I wish I had invented it. Wish it was my secret research. It's not my secret research. Why do you share it with us, Alpesh? Well, because Goldman Sachs aren't going to do it, are they? And I don't think it's fair. Call me a socialist, right? So that's one of the factors, like I said, which is in there, is cash return on capital invested. Now, that's not freely available out there, and you're not going to reverse engineer it. So find a cash flow measure, okay, and make it stringent that you're looking at that cash flow measure. Cash flow, this is the best cash flow measure. You're not going to find it out on the internet, sadly. So find one. We reverse engineer ours. We know what the formula is. The formula's there. You're not about to do that through 10,000 stocks, are you, and get the dead from the stock exchange. But use a cash flow measure, okay? Um, I've written about this in the FT. This is not something where it's secret. Oh, he's never told anybody. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to let you down. I have written about this in my books and everywhere else. Okay. And not only that, it's all been independently verified by uh, a company which has been monitoring my picks since 2004 uh, up till this year, well, including and up to this year and ongoing. And they've won awards from the FT 
uh, as well. So they're an award-winning company who's been doing this. Why did I say 15 stocks? This curve. Now, you might argue and say, no, Alpesh, I've got loads of investment trust, unit trust, so I've got thousands of stocks. I'm afraid you're inefficient. It's costing you a lot of money. They're churning those stocks internally, right? Uh, they're not holding 15 stocks for 12 months and having no brokerage charges. They're charging the brokers, are giving them kickbacks, and what you're getting is paying a fee, which is uh, hampering your return. Instead, you could have just bought those damn stocks yourself that they own, okay? And most probably, you might say, well, no, don't be stupid. I was not 15. I want 20. Fine, 20 there. You might even say 30. Fine. What I'm saying is when you've got funds which have another 40 stocks, so a fund will have 40 stocks. Its highest holding, largest holding might be 5% in a particular company. Let's say they've got 5% of their holding in Microsoft, and you've got 5% of your money in that fund. So you've got 5% of 5% in Microsoft. If you bloody like Microsoft, buy some Microsoft stock, for God's sake. Don't do it through a fund where you're paying the brokerage charges that the fund's paying, the brokerage charges to buy the fund, the fund's fees, and the advisor who sold you the bloody funds fees, and I'll tell you how big those are in a second, own the damn thing itself, the underlying stock, please. And don't say to me, oh, I don't know which stock though. Okay, I'm showing you how to find those. And please, please, please do not trade your investments. If you're trading, that's great. I do another webinar on trading. That's a different story. It's a different kettle of fish, in and out, in and out. If you're investing, 12 months. You know why? Look at that figure. S&P without 2020's best five days, you're in white. Blue is the S&P. And that figure holds true any given year. You miss a few of the bad days. And here's what makes it really difficult. The best days for any index usually, more often than not, come right after the worst days. So psychologically, you are not going to be able to time that. So you're going to get a really bad day. The market drops a ton. Are you really going to buy into it the next day thinking, oh, the best days usually come afterwards? Because they don't always, only sometimes. So don't try and do that. You'll sleep easier. The other thing we do when we're finessing this, when we're finessing this uh, as well, when we're finessing this is, yes, we'll get reports like this. Uh, I'll come to that, Agnes, in a second. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll come to that in a second, Agnes. We'll get reports like this. Now, I want you to do some homework after this webinar. Look at the stock market on March the 26th, 2020, and look what happened. It was pretty much the bottom, okay? Uh, it was pretty much the bottom, okay? Uh, James, I'll come to that. I'll answer that as well. A great question. James has asked, I'm just starting out in investing in stocks, aiming to put 20K into my ICH year. Should I be aiming to buy 15 different stocks with my first round investment? Yeah, yes, exactly. You divide the money equally into that. It's as good as method as any from all the research we've done. I'm not actually allowed to give you individual advice because I don't know you personally. So please don't take any of this as individual advice because... I don't know your personal circumstances. For all I know, that's 20,000 you've taken from your widowed grandmother and it's her you're investing for. I mean, obviously you're not, I'm sure. But, you know, so I can't give you specific advice because I don't know you personally. But in the generic sense, what I'd say if somebody said that, all other things being equal, I'd say you divide it up equally. Okay, that was the bottom of the market. So yes, we have an edge and I'll share that edge with you when and whenever I can because uh, we get little data and we know that the big boys at Goldman's are now telling everybody to buy into the market. So we think, oh, with a bit more confidence, I'm happy to be holding on. And that's what happened this time last year. It wasn't me with a crystal ball that stole the information from someone else. I'm sorry, I'm not Isaac Newton. I'm not Albert Einstein. I just know who is, or even worse, who can uh, make a self-fulfilling prophecy. Very quickly, before we get into some of the, the, the figures, I love this stuff too much. I show you too many slides. I apologize. I'm showing you too many slides. Uh, this is what most of you have got. 
UK listed equity growth fund, right? Sounds great. Growth fund. It's got a number eight. It's got five diamonds. It's got an A. It's a contract. I'm sorry. All right. It's a marketing contract. How do I know that? Because over three years, he's down 2%. And he's got, it's called a growth fund. He's down 2% over three years in one of the biggest bull markets in the world. All right. So what is this number doing? These are his slides. One of my students showed me the fund he'd invested in. Okay. He said he's going to give you 5%. That's barely above bloody inflation, mate. I had inflation and the long-term average of the stock market, and he's called it a UK growth fund. He's basically saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to charge you a fee for doing no better than if you just were passive. So what did he own? What did this genius own? Well, he bought into oil before the oil market crashed. Not once, not just BP, but Shell as well. And he called UK growth tobacco because tobacco is a growing industry, my friends. It's a growth. What an idiot. He's got 40 holdings, and these are his biggest percentage holdings. No wonder he's rubbish. And he gets paid a lot of money to be that rubbish. Trust me, I went to university with a load of these people. I went to Oxford. You can imagine a lot of them going to fund management and shuffle paper in the bloody city. So what happened? This is what they do. They charge you for this. Jeez. Okay. This is their note. Look at your funds. Look at if you're investing in funds through an IFA, uh, an investment trust, a unit trust, any fund manager. Ask for the bloody documents. On page 56, you'll see this. This is theirs, not mine. £10,000 investment after 10 years, £1,000 in costs. 10% of your money. Oh, no, Alpesh, that can't be right. You must have picked a bad example. My, my fund manager said 0.5%. There's an article in The Telegraph recently, and I've written about it in my blog. They're lying. And I mean literally not telling you the truth about their fees is what The Telegraph uncovered from a lot of these funds. The hidden fees. £1,000 over five years. 10%. 10% is what they're taking. I'm talking about adding 10% to you by just simply saying, do it yourself. I've just made you 10%. There you go. You're 100K. You'll make 10% by just not doing that. Uh, thank you very much. Send me my cut. I'm only kidding. Keep all of it. Right? This pisses me off. You can see. I'm in this industry for 20 years, and this industry is a, a freaking embarrassment, uh, at what they're doing. And they're preying on the fact that people are ignorant. All right? If you're lucky... You might get a poor return. That's if you're lucky. And look, you know, and I've said this before, you can be better than overpaid fund managers because you've seen this, All right? So yeah, Alpes, you've got a big mouth. Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? So I did. In 2004, the FT said to me, all right, then big mouth, why don't you prove you can be beat all of these people through your approach? And I said, all right, but when I do, I want you first of all to run that competition over one whole year. And when I do, put it on the front page of your business section that I'm the best. Sorry, it sounds arrogant, but I was talking to the freaking FT. Of course, I'm going to be bloody arrogant about it. Okay, so when I won, this is what they had to do. And Neil Woodford narrowly beat the cat. You know why they put the cat in there? Because they thought they'd embarrass me. They ended up embarrassing Neil Woodford, but they didn't. Guess what they did? They still had a love-in with Neil Woodford for years. Thanks for investigative journalism. They're right there. And in 2017, as you know, he apologized. So how come he did so well, given that he's so rubbish? And how come he got away with it so long? Marketing and a square jawline, apparently. Marketing and a square jawline. It's a killer smile he's got. I try to look like him there as well, but it was the double chin which obviously let me down. The solution, I've mentioned it before. I'm, I, I'm saying this not to big myself up, but I'm saying it. I don't need a pat on the back. I'm saying it because I want you to know this consistency in what I've said. 1999, my very first column in the Financial Times. There it is, right? And as you can see, what I said back then, don't just have UK holdings. In fact, sell them. Have US the UK is still at where it was in 1999. The UK stock market, FTSE 100, is still where it was 
1999. The US has gone up, I don't know, tenfold? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But you can follow that up and see. Was I right then? Yeah. Have I done over the last 21 years? Just assume I track the index and you know how I've done. All right. I've done better than the index, as you'd expect. But just imagine, just assume that. When do we sell? Right. When do we sell? This is when we're going to sell. After 12 months, or if the stock from the high point since you bought it drops 25%. Simple. I'm keeping it simple. I have five companies which I call quality companies. They're my flight to safety companies. You might disagree with them. The rule is different for those. If Even if they drop 25% from the peak they've been, I'm still holding on to them. All right. Those are Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Facebook. Really? I'll push the P. The big box are coming up with those names. Yeah. All right. You might disagree with it. We're not going to argue the toss. Everything else is performance. It's got to meet value, growth, income, cash flow, Sortino, Alpha, uh, requirements. Why 12 months? Another Goldman Sachs slide, but actually we've got data on this as well. Uh, if you're holding for longer and forever, you're a fool. You might review it and rehold the same stock for the next 12 months, but the world moves too quickly to hold things forever, to buy, hold, and forget. That was fine in the 60s, 70s, 80s. The internet means and COVID and things like that mean, and the average holding periods decreased as well because uh, the world just changed too much. Everyone's got to make sure that they're in there. The, so what are the solutions? Let's get into the nitty gritty. Sorry, I talk too much about this and share too much information with you. Okay. And I said it was this value, growth, income, and all of these figures. Um, Sortino, like I said, measure of performance, but consistency, narrow volatility around that alpha outperformance of the market. These are the main factors I think you should be looking at. Like I said, that's the reason why. Now, but how are we going to generate some of these ideas? The difference between tactics and strategies, it's killer important, okay? I've said to you, tactics, I'm gonna show you now uh, in this part of the webinar, what's in, for instance, what the big banks are telling their wealthiest clients. So analysts, what Warren Buffett owns, so gurus, they're different tactics. But if they don't fit in my strategies, they don't work. So before I share that with you, can I ask you to, for in one minute, for one minute, for one minute, do this. I'm gonna let you download these three books, okay? And more, okay, my book, Investment philosophies, successful strategies, and investors have made them work, the intelligent investor. Would you fill in that form to give me feedback on this webinar? If you think it's rubbish, that's fine. If you think it's great, that's great. Uh, how we can improve. If you fill that in now, it'll only take you a minute. You'll then, at the end of it, get a link to download these and get access to my Telegram channel where every day I tell you what I'm seeing. If I get a report from Goldman Sachs or Credit Suisse, I share it on that Telegram channel. All right, little videos that I give each day on what we're seeing. So you got that all free. Just fill that in and it'd be great if you would. Okay. What? France, Portugal. Mate, I understand. I know, I know. I can't find a freaking time frame where there isn't a great football match going on. So whilst you do that, optional.com forward slash feedback, I'm going to continue. So fill it in on a different screen, please. Alpspatel.com. Uh, and I'm going to now show you, I'm going to show you the tactics and the stocks within that, which are right bang up to date on that tax. Because you need to know what's up to date today, not what I held last year and I'm still holding. You need to know, well, what the hell do you like right now? You know, which ones out of, say, the S&P 500 meet your criteria right now, Alpesh, for the next 12 months. You need to know that. So we're going to do that. And the, one of the ways we're going to do it is we're going to look at the tactics. What are some of the taxes which might throw up the names? It's all very well be giving you 2% of the stocks which meet those criteria, uh, but that's still 200 stocks. Still 200 stocks. So we might tactically look at what's in Warren Buffett's portfolio or Bill Ackman. That's what he's got. Okay, 8 billion. Bill Ackman is a hedge fund manager. There's seven stocks. Surprises you, doesn't it? Now, do you see where I said 15? Do you see where I get the numbers from? Bill Gates, he's got 24. He's got 22 billion in stocks. 24, he's got other assets, but 24 stocks that he holds. And these are that. I don't just buy them because he owns them. It's still got to fit in my strategy. This is a tactic. 
Tactically, if I say to myself, oh, I want more of what Warren Buffett's got, I still need to check if Apple fits my criteria or Fiserv. It does. I own it, by the way. So does Leon Cooperman. He's got a billion and 41 stocks in that. Oh, Alphabet hits my criteria. Isn't that nice? Microsoft hit my criteria. Isn't that nice? Okay, I might do two times leverage on some like Microsoft because I, I want the extra return, but that's higher risk, okay? I might look at what JP Morgan are telling their wealthiest clients, and I'll share it on Telegram with you, and then I'll say, does it meet my criteria? Or this is Goldman Sachs again, list of 50 very important positions. They bloody call them very important positions. This is what they tell their richest clients. If you want to know why rich people get richer, it's real estate and the stock market. Occasionally, it's their business, but most of the time, it's real estate and the stock market. I'm not going to talk real estate. I'm going to talk stock market, okay? And it's what Goldman Sachs do really well. 50 very important positions for hedge funds, and they list them. doesn't mean I go and buy it. It's still got to meet my criteria, okay? And there are names there. Look, this is the bit where you better get your phone out and take a photo because I'm not going to read all of these. By the way, if you want to know what I own at the moment, I do have Adobe. Um, I had Citigroup, but we've exited because it shot up and then... Uh, gave us our profits. Alphabet, MasterCard, ServiceNow, PayPal, United Health Group, Visa. Don't go out and buy it because tomorrow morning it might not be on the approved list, my list. Okay, in which case, what the hell did you just go and buy it for? By the way, what I'm telling you is no different than I've mentioned on TV and everything else. This is not, I don't want you to think, oh, hang on, this guy's um, not public with us. Oh, he's only telling a small group. I put my neck on the block on this and I stand by it. And that's why I've been going on TV over and over again for 20 years. And they say, oh, yeah, remember when you said that? You're right. You're right. Now, I'm not saying that to big myself up or be full of myself. Honestly, I'm more mature than that now. Didn't used to be. Okay. I'm saying it to labor that point. Um, I'm an evangelist. I am, uh, yeah, an evangelist. Okay. On that. Again, tactically, whilst we might look at what collectively hedge funds own to try and get some collective wisdom, we still say value, growth, income, cash flow, okay? Um, I don't charge, um, Raj, uh, I'm not marketing my hedge fund. Sorry, you can't, this is not, retail investors can't invest with me. I don't want to manage your money. The whole point of this webinar is I don't want to manage your money. I want you to manage it, uh, not least because unless you've got 10 million, uh, it's not worth my while managing your money, all right? Sorry, mate. So uh, and that's not to patronize you, it's to say, do it yourself. It's the whole point of it. Stop giving it away. I do these webinars. People say, can I give you money? And I'm like, Jesus, you're bloody listening. Why don't you do it yourself? Stop throwing your money away. If you want to throw your money away, find some other way of doing it. You can do it yourself. Stop giving it to me. I just told you, value, growth, income, cash. We'll still finish it off and how you can do it. If you're not confident, I'll still teach you how to be confident in this. So it's your account in your name. You're handling it, right? It's a new business for you. You just found a new business to do, managing your own capital. All right, my friend? Uh, and I don't mean, I don't, uh, forgive me, I'm not meaning to sound rude by any means at all. Um, uh, I want to help you. Okay. Uh, so we might look at these, but they've still got to meet my criteria value, growth, thinking. What I'm saying is when you hear noise and somebody says, oh, the hedge funds own this, he owns this, what should we do? What should we do? Better give it to an expert. No, that's not the answer. The answer is, yeah, but does it meet my criteria? Right? My process, value, growth, income. My process becomes your process now. Value, growth, income, cash flow. Uh, consistency of outperformance, all right? And just because my, my team says to me, this is what Warren Buffett owns, so what? So what, okay? It still has to meet my criteria. I'm laboring the point. When they tell me this is what his latest ownerships are, and collectively, all the biggest gurus, this is what they own. Dark green means more of a moment. That's United Healthcare, that's Amazon, and so on. So what? Okay, that gives me names, 
tactically, which I might want to have in my portfolio, as long as the strategically value growth income cash flow fits. If it doesn't fit, I don't care that they own it because our data shows it won't outperform just because they own it. All right. Tactic number two, I leverage big on low risk. In other words, I look for, I've got two, three times leverage on S&P 500. Please don't do this. Leverage is risky. Uh, I've got two times leverage on Amazon. I've got two times leverage on Microsoft. And uh, uh, the reason I've got these, some of these I don't have now. I don't have Premier Oil anymore. That's been sold out at a profit and gain and because uh, a year's gone up. Uh, Tristel, I don't have any more either, I don't believe. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I've still got two times leverage on Microsoft. Why? Because the statistical distribution as well as the cash flow value growth income is such that it gives on the whole outsized returns, but they're not big enough for me. So I've added double leverage on that. Did I sell my Disney? I can't remember. I honestly, Michael, can't remember. This is why I say I don't want to be a tipster saying, hey, buy Disney, because guess what's going to happen? Six months down the line, you're going to have to ask, what, what, what do we do now? When do we do it? What do we do? What do we? I can't remember whether I've sold it or not, because I don't want you to copy what I'm doing uh, in terms of the stocks I bought and when I bought them. I want you to copy the process, i.e. learn to fish. Um, so I honestly, my friend, can't remember. And I think I have because it's been over a year. So I assume I have because it's been over a year and I don't think I bought back into them. And I don't know right now if they fit my all greens. If they do, great, because I can't buy everything, which is all green. So again, when the big banks say this and I share it on Telegram when they do, and I always say on my Telegram channel, um, yes, but, but, but does it fit my value growth income? All right. The other thing is the analyst. So Citigroup, last April, not this April gone, 2020. If you watch my webinars, you'll know this. I said Citibank. Analysts tend to be over-optimistic. I said tactically, yes, it meets our criteria. It can go from $42 to $70. In fact, it gave us a 50% return in 12 months. Okay. Capri Holdings gave us a 250% return. Well, Arpesh, bloody hell, mate. Why didn't you just put all your money in that? Because I didn't know it was going to do that. I can pick that it's going to come up heads most probably, but I don't know how big. All right. We can't probabilistically, if we did, I'd have a crystal ball and a time machine, right? Why did we do this? Well, because we looked at what the analysts were saying as a tactic. It would fit in our um, uh, our approved list. So what we did was said, right, which fits in our approved list? Oh, which ones have got the widest gap between their share price and what the analysts are saying tactically, which also hits our approved list? Capri Holdings. Great, 250% return. I didn't know it was going to be that much. If I did, I would have mortgaged my mother-in-law's, I say. Disney, there you are. It was March, so I think we must have sold it because 12 months would be up. So that gave a 73% return, okay? 73% return. Uh, uh, by the way, today there is about a month or so ago uh, on these. I haven't updated today's figure because it's already been gone, if you see what I mean. Uh, that was the one I gave my sister because my sister said I need something for my nephews, my nephews, her children's school fees. So I thought of a safe one that I could give. Little did I know, even a safe one's going to give 73%. I am a very popular big brother. Uh, okay, March, 85% return. Again, the gap, which was on the approved list, but also, uh, you know, by approved list, I mean a value growth income cash flow and the gap with analysts. So that's just tactics. The analyst is tactics. They shot through the roof. Well, I didn't know it would. Actually, it's, I think it's more than 200%. Um, but that's where we are now with Viacom. We're out of Viacom. Uh, it's, it's, it's done because it 12 months were up and time to look at something else. Uh, United Healthcare, that was 41%. Not so great, but big stodgy company. Actually, 41% I was impressed with. Uh, okay. When we say analysts, I don't mean Shares Magazine or Investors Chronicle, for God's sake, and certainly don't mean somebody at Rathbones or St. James's Place or Hargreaves Lansdowne. What I mean is, which big bank, what's their track record, 
What's their target? Who else agrees with them? When did they reiterate it? That's a lot more criteria than you were expecting, wasn't it? All right, we want to see, are we getting the big returns? 121% can we get on the upside? Do Who agrees with them? How many agree with them? Right, so that's what I'm talking about. But that's not, we're not picking it on the analyst. It's still got to be value growth income. This is where people get it wrong. Some just look at the analyst and go, oh, I've got an approach. No, it's got to be within the strategy, okay? It's got to be within the strategy. I do still own Visa. It's been a disappointment. Not everything's great. My Visa's generated me, I think, a 0% return in 12 months. Only 1%. Oh, Alpesh, you're rubbish. Yeah, sorry. If I knew which one's going to give me 250%, I would only put my money in those, wouldn't I? That's why even Warren Buffett doesn't have just one stock. Nobody has just one stock, do they? Because they don't have the crystal ball for just one stock. We also do coattails on uh, what hedge funds are doing. So again, approved list, like Abvi, I own. Okay, these are the hedge funds we'll look at. Why? Because guess what? Whether they're clever or not, they might be creating self-fulfilling. Uh, yes, Michael, that's right. Uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. Uh, portfolio, sorry. Yeah, we'll look at what reports they're giving us out of that. And we'll look at things like this, like I showed you earlier. But it's got to sit within the overall strategy. Investing is like learning to drive. For those of you who want to give your money to fund managers, okay, um, uh, uh, and, and I want you to learn, Raj, how to get that 40%, okay? S stop giving your money away. Uh, it's you learn to drive, you can learn to invest. You learn to drive, you can learn to invest. Now you might say, Alpesh, no, no, no. I want you to be my chauffeur and drive me around. I'm sorry, I don't work for Uber. Similarly, I don't work for you. I don't want to manage your capital. Uh, well, unless you've got 10 million, then we can talk. <laughs> Just joking. Okay, swing mirrors, steering wheel, brake, accelerator, same with investing. Value, growth, income, cash flow, Sortino Alpha. If you can learn to drive a car, right, where you're endangering other people's lives, including your own, you can certainly manage to run a portfolio. 15. Why did I say 15? You can pick 20 if you want, 30, but please remember this image. You're not getting smarter as you add more stocks. Okay, why 12 months? That figure from Goldman Sachs, remember. That was my holy grail. That is my holy grail. That's how it looks. So value, how are you going to pick value? For us, it's absolute numbers. It's price earnings ratio, but you might pick others. Price earnings growth as well, okay? If you don't know what these are, what they mean, go look them up. Year-on-year -year revenue growth, we want dividend yields to be positive. We want uh, croaky top quartile, so some cash flow measure, please. Six-month momentum, positive, Sortino above a half. If you don't know how to find that, consistent returns. Uh, is there a minimum amount of shares you should look at in each company? Give me a specific, please. What do you mean? Um, do you mean like 100 pounds? I don't understand what you mean. Uh, return alpha, outperformance of the market. Now, there are other things tactically. We might look at more UK companies. We might look at, uh, the, we might look at market cap because smaller cap companies will probably do better. So like I told you, tactically, I, I want to look at more real estate at the moment, right? Okay. Um, what does that, by the way, look like right now? I'm just going to give you an example with the S&P 500. This doesn't mean you go out and buy this. This is not investment advice. I do not know your personal circumstances. Okay, these are some of the all greens, right? Which would meet our criteria over the next uh, 12 months, right? But there's a bit more to it than that because that's just the S&P 500. You actually want to be looking at the global list to pick from. And tactically, it might not be just that. Tactically, you might say, well, actually, I want retailers uh, and tech, or I don't want companies at all-time highs. Tactically, I want smaller cap. And here's the most important criteria. I want some high volatility and lower. Microsoft has 8% volatility. It's probably the safest stock I can think of. 
PayPal is closer to 20%, that's more a 10 risk for me, okay? Uh, so most people wanna be a seven risk and they want about a 20% volatility. So bear that in mind and that will help you, okay? There is, it's not automated, okay? Um, do you see any catalysts? I don't understand, Sri. Is there a crash coming? Oh, crash coming. I, like I already said, is there a crash coming? Probably, probably not, 50-50. I don't know, nobody knows. I can throw the dice and take a guess. I'm still going to be invested, and my portfolio will mean that the mark, the stocks won't fall as far if there is, uh, and they'll rise up. But if there isn't, at least I'm invested and it continues going up. Last year, everybody thought there was going to be a crash, uh, and guess what happened? It didn't. Thankfully, my stocks continued going up. I actually thought there was going to be a crash last year in March, and there wasn't. It bloody shot up. Guess what? I was wrong, but I made money because I was invested and the stocks continued going up. So that's where it is. Um, the data is from various sources. You can get it from probably Yahoo Finance if you want to do it from scratch, but those are the principles to use, okay? Uh, Yahoo Finance will probably allow you to download it. I mean, that unfortunately means a bit of hard work at your end uh, as well, and they allow you to download it for free. So I did this when I was at university and then perfected that strategy. Like I said, won awards, I've written about it, been published, I created the hedge fund uh, 15 years ago, then uh, the private equity fund as well. Thank you.